Hello and welcome to another episode of the podcast, uh, a podcast in partnership with Transit Matters and Commonwealth Magazine. My name is Josh Fairchild. I'm uh, I'm a host here and also a president of Transit Matters. I'm Jim Aloisi. I'm your co-host and I'm on the board of Transit Matters. And today, Josh and I are happy to have as our guest Rich Parr. Rich Parr is the research director and Western Mass Bureau Chief for Mass Inc. Polling Group. Hi, Rich. Hello, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Well, you're welcome, and we're happy to have you on, and we're excited to talk to you about the work that you and the Mass Inc. Polling Group have been doing around uh, polling the residents of Massachusetts, uh, specifically on transportation-related issues. It's always interesting to, for us as advocates to have a clearer understanding of what people are thinking, uh, where they are on the issues of the day, and actually to even understand whether some of the things that we care about and talk about a lot have penetrated into the public imagination in, an, in a way that um, actually enables people to, to, to give an opinion on them. So the most recent poll you uh, performed um, actually focused on the topic of rail and specifically regional rail. And uh, we thought we'd talk about that today because those are really very current and important topics, particularly in the context of some of the larger issues that we're confronted with, like traffic congestion, particularly traffic congestion in metropolitan Boston, and regional equity, particularly the issues of, of transit and rail connectivity, and whether we're able to do that to bring access to more people across the Commonwealth outside of the metro Boston area, particularly in the Pioneer Valley, the Knowledge Corridor, out in the western part of the state, and, and the south coast. So I, maybe we can begin just by asking, um, you're a seasoned pollster. When you, when you conducted this poll and got the results, was there anything that struck you as surprising or unusual about it? Well, yeah. Uh, so so di- just to ground people a little bit in what we're talking about, um, we released a poll late last month that was uh, done in conjunction with our parent think tank, Mass Inc. It was funded by the Bar Foundation, as a lot of our transportation polling um, is done, and uh, and and it was sort of interesting to see. I mean, the, the the point of this poll was to really kind of do a a deep dive, if you will, on commuter rail and rail service and ideas for improving that. Of which there are many, as you well know, being transit matters floating around. Um, it was sort of a follow-up of sorts to a poll that we released earlier this year, which really kind of framed the problem, I would say. Uh, that poll got a lot of attention because it talked about the frustrations that people are having with their commutes, particularly in eastern Massachusetts. So people who are driving, people who are taking the T, we, we asked some questions about kind of, are they hitting their breaking point, if you will, in terms of, are they thinking about changing jobs? Are they thinking about leaving the region altogether? And, uh, and some pretty significant percentages of people were saying that they were, in fact, getting to that point. Um, so we kind of think of this poll as sort of a companion to that one, but really sort of doing a deep dive on the rail stuff. Uh, in terms of whether anything that surprised me, I was surprised, I think, a little bit about just sort of how high support was for doing some pretty ambitious things about rail. Um, you know, this is not a, a mode that most people use. Um, and we always ask in our polls, you know, how do you normally commute? And most people are drivers. 
even people who are taking the T or taking the commuter rail are probably driving a car to a, a, a parking lot somewhere or getting dropped off somewhere in order to take the system. And, you know, the share of people who are using just the commuter rail, you know, is, is relatively small in most surveys. Um, but never, nevertheless, even people who weren't using the system were saying that they would support doing some pretty big, ambitious things to change the way that we do uh, commuter rail, both in the existing area where it exists, but also expanding it out, as you said, Jim, to sort of regions of the state that don't currently have it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we can talk a little bit about kind of the specific things that we tested and the numbers that we were seeing on all of those. By the way, uh, and I'm not asking you to divulge any proprietary secrets, but maybe it would be interesting for listeners to understand a little bit how you conduct the poll. Are you blind calling people? Are you pulling people in a room for a survey? Are you doing this digitally? Some of the above, all of the above? What would be the best way to let people know? Like, How do you take the pulse of people through a poll like this? Yes. So this survey, as was the previous one that was released this year um, on transportation, were both online surveys. And by that, I don't mean that we just sent out a link into the vast internet and let anybody who wanted to take the survey. Um, there are people who have signed up with companies to take surveys, um, panels of people who have signed up to take surveys. And the, and the people who run those companies, who run those panels, know the demographics of those people. They know if they're men or women, they know how old they are, their race, where they live, uh, various other attributes about them. So we are able to um, send out a link to those panelists in Massachusetts and to have targets and quotas on the, on the number of people we talk to so that we get a representative sample of the uh, residents in the Commonwealth, which was the universe for this particular survey. Uh, uh, one of the nice things about these online surveys is that you can talk to many more people um, relative to sort of a, a fixed cost point than you could in a phone poll. So a phone poll in Massachusetts, we might talk to 500 people. In this survey, we talked to over 1,400 uh, mm. respondents. And that included an oversample of um, a subset of gateway cities because this was a Mass Inc. poll, and Mass Inc. does a lot of work in the gateway cities. And the way that we do that is, you know, we have our own targets for what the, the, the population parameters of those gateway cities are, and then we blend that into the overall sample, the statewide sample, in order to get a statewide number, which is representative and reflective of like the total population of the state. So it allows us to drill down in those gateway cities and get a, a really interesting read on some of them, as well as having an accurate number that describes kind of opinion everywhere. And of course, we have things like men versus women, Republicans versus Democrats, and so on and so forth. So it gives us a lot more sort of granular detail when we're doing the online method. Um, it is definitely a new world, though, I will say. I mean, we, we used to do a lot more phone polling. We continue to do phone polling for certain for certain clients and certain uses, but we found that for these issues-based polling, um, policy polling, uh, you know, online works pretty well. And it allows us to do some stuff in terms of asking longer and more detailed questions and explaining these these concepts which are you know might be foreign to someone who's not really a commuter rail rider uh somebody can read something on a screen and kind of get more information than if an interviewer was say reading a script to them over the phone right so that's that's another sort of added advantage of this we actually showed some maps 
um, over the course of, of showing this survey, doing this survey to kind of indicate to people the places that we were talking about. We could show them a map of what the commuter rail network looks like right now. We could show them a map of where the gateway cities that we were talking about were to sort of orient people. So maybe if they hadn't even, you know, weren't familiar with, with some of these line names or something like that, they could at least understand where they were, you know, relative to where they live. I can certainly see how that format would be more helpful for, for folks who aren't as familiar with the issues and, you know, maybe just listening to someone um, talk about them would be harder to comprehend. Um, you know, Rich, one of the things I'm interested in is you all do polling, um, you know, throughout the years, and you've been polling on transportation and funding of transportation. And so I, I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, the common threads, the things that you've polled in the past and how they they have performed um, now, if to the extent that those are compar- comparable in the way that you ask the questions. For example, I'm assuming the North-South Rail Link is something that you've polled on before, um, but maybe regional rail's not. So for the things that are, you know, familiar to past polls that can be compared, what kind of through lines or comparisons are you seeing that are worth making? Yeah, so... Um some of these rail concepts that we, I guess I'll start with sort of like the, the policy stuff, and then we can talk a little bit about revenues. Uh, but from from a policy standpoint, there were some ideas that were in this survey that we have pulled on in the past, and we found pretty similar numbers. So we have asked some variation of what you would might broadly call regional rail in previous transportation surveys. And, and by regional rail, we defined that kind of at the bare bones level of saying we want the you know the trains would run more frequently um, during the day midday at night on the weekends and run in both directions in and out of Boston uh, it's kind of like the baseline definition of it if you will and we'd asked that in some previous surveys and found um, a similar level of support as we found in this survey um, so it, it indicates that a that we were you know, on the right track, we're, we're not getting a, a wildly disparate number asking the same question, um, but we found we found pretty much the same the same level. Uh, I'm just checking to see. So in this survey, it was about three quarters of uh, residents indicated that they would support moving the commuter rail system towards that regional rail model that we talked about. Um, 34% or about a third strongly supported that idea and the rest of them somewhat supported the idea. Um, but there were also some things in here that we had not asked about before. So for example, we've never asked about the North-South Rail Link, if you can believe it. It's an idea that's been around for a long time and has some pretty, you know, vocal, uh, uh, supporters. And, uh, and we actually, that did extremely well in this, in this survey. And this is a statewide poll again, you know, we're not just talking about people who are in the Boston region who might stand to actually use this thing, but, but statewide, um, 46% strongly support that idea and another 35%. Uh, somewhat supported. So that's about 80% total, 81% total uh, supporting the North-South Rail Link. And, I, and again, I don't have a, um, bait, a trend line for that one. We've never done that not that particular question before. Um, but all of the, uh, the different improvements, the sort of larger capital improvements, if you will, that we tested in the survey um, were in the kind of 75 to 80 or even higher percent range. That The most popular thing that we tested was something that, again, we haven't tested before, but it's sort of a transit matters idea, I would say, and it's related to regional rail. It's this idea of changing the trains over from being diesel trains to electric trains. Um, as I understand it, and I'm not the, the real policy wonk here, but that's sort of a crucial thing. If you want to do North-South Rail Link, if mm-hmm. you want to run the f- kinds of frequencies and headways that 
that, that you want to do to achieve regional rail electrification would, would make that a lot easier. Um, but that idea was supported by uh, 84% of uh, the respondents that we, that, that we talked to in this survey. Um, and right up there with that was another kind of transit matters concept of basically changing all of the stations to make the, the platforms level with the train, right? So you're not going up and down the, the stairs of the commuter rail coaches to get onto them, but you can kind of just walk on and walk off. Again, you know, the idea being if people can get on and off faster, that makes the whole kind of process faster and you can run more of a subway-like service. Um, and that was just about as popular as, uh, as electrification, although the split between strongly support and somewhat support was a little more even there as opposed to um, electrification. 56% of uh, the respondents that we talked to strongly supported doing the electrification of the commuter rail system. So... Yeah, I think when I saw that, I was really um, heartened by it because for any number of reasons. One is that I think, to some extent, the conversation that we've been trying to have over the past year or more uh, about the importance of an electrified regional rail system has penetrated to a point where people understand how important it is, as you point out, both to improve speed and frequencies, also to improve over time cost because it'll be a lot less expensive over time uh, to invest in electric multiple units as a replacement for diesel. Diesel is just much more prone to, to, to fail um, more frequently, much harder to maintain, much more complicated to maintain, much more expensive to maintain. And so all of the other advantages of electric, including the air quality advantages, um, are important, but, but the sort of practical, economical, and service-oriented advantages are great, and people seem to have understood it. I think that's really important. Um, I thought it was also important that you found majorities of significant majorities um, linked the investments in regional rail to the reduction of traffic congestion, yes. to the reduction in greenhouse gas emissions, and in the equally important issue of providing better access to people of lower income. One of the things that people haven't quite grasped or grappled with yet are the impacts of income inequality on people's mobility patterns. And by that I mean you know, it's getting increasingly costly to live in the inner city, and particularly Boston and Cambridge, uh, but also Somerville. I mean, the list is growing. People are being displaced. And when they're being displaced because they can't afford to live in the inner core, um, we're probably still yet not doing a good enough job figuring out how are we serving their, their access and mobility needs. More often than not, it's going to end up being by inner city rail, what we call commuter rail. And so the regional rail discussion really um, touches on that. And I was, I was really happy that people in the poll were making that explicit connection and understanding it. Rich, I am interested to know, you know, because uh, the transit system serves the eastern half of the state and really much of, much of that really only by commuter rail outside of 128, outside of Route 128. Um, you broke out gateway city support, and I wondered if you could talk a little bit about how the support breaks down um, when you when you move west in the state. 
um, and to areas that are served maybe only by commuter rail or maybe not even by commuter rail? Yeah, so, well, first off, um, as you might expect, uh, the idea of extending rail out to the West um, is quite popular in the West. I mean, I should say it's popular overall in, in the statewide numbers. So, you know, we're seeing something like, I think it's 76 or something percent supporting uh, East-West rail as, you know, the kind of current concept of it would be. They would kind of come out to Springfield and go on, on to Pittsfield. We also found 70% support for a relatively new idea for doing that, which would extend rail west kind of along Route 2. So this would be the idea of, the idea of extending the Fitchburg line all the way out to Greenfield and, and uh, North Adams. Um, hey, forgive my, forgive my inter- interjection here, Rich. 74% among statewide or just among residents of that part of the state? That oh, that's benefit? statewide. So even people who wouldn't necessarily hmm. benefit from that service directly are saying that they support mm. um, doing those two extensions. And we got a similar number for extending rail service down to the South Coast as well, even extending rail service north to southern New Hampshire, which is another idea that's been proposed. So all of these kind of, mm-hmm. it's not just that the, the people are, are interested in improving the current system by doing regional rail within it or doing the North-South Rail Link. There's also pretty similar levels of support for doing these expansions, westward, northward, south. Um, out west, as you might expect, it's uh, even more popular. I think the the highest number that I think is in the poll is sixty seven percent strongly support, not just somewhat support, but just just a strongly number, strongly support doing um, the east west rail on the pike, uh, for lack of a better word, in western Massachusetts. I mean that is a really really high number. I think it just shows kind of the level of penetration that that idea has had out here. I mean, you can't go to an event about transportation out here in in western Massachusetts where I where I am right now. I I, I live and work out of Northampton, Massachusetts. Uh, you can't go to an event out here without someone talking about East West Rail. And people have really internalized kind of the the talking points on that and you hear them all the time. Uh, so it's really kind of a testament to sort of the work that the delegation has been doing to sort of promote this idea that um, that it's kind of out there enough that that it got that such a high number. Um, I thought that was really striking. I, th- I think that's interesting. That's interesting and encouraging from the standpoint of these decisions have to be made at the state right. level, right? And and so you know the legislature and especially you know the House is going to skew more towards statewide and even the western part of the state. And if they're seeing numbers this high, um, that seems to really say something about the viability of doing these things, as well as um, these extensions, um, knowing that occasionally there are compromises and, and what am I going to get out of giving you regional rail in the east, you know? So I, I find that to be very, very interesting and encouraging. Um, and now we get yes, to the of question course. of funding, yeah. um, which is something <laughs> that you have pulled over time. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to ask about, I mean, not that anybody ever wants to pay for anything if they, if they didn't have to. So I guess, how do you ask about the funding questions and what trends do you see um, for support or opposition to, to funding the things that people overwhelm, overwhelmingly Yeah, exactly. Want? That's always sort of the rub in one of these polls is, you know, it can be written up rather um, accurately if glibly to say like, oh, people want to do a bunch of stuff, but they don't want to pay for it. And that does happen in polls from time to time. Um, I will say uh, kind of big caveat on the, the numbers on funding in this particular survey. The way we framed this question was that it was specifically for paying for regional rail. Okay, so we're just, we're, you know, strip out the, all the other stuff. Let's just say if we're doing the regional rail concept, because that was sort of like the, the central thing of the survey. 
would you support or oppose various ways of, of paying for that? And what we found was that there was majority support for uh, several of the ideas that we kind of put out there and tried for people. Um, uh, you know, people like the fair share amendment concept, the idea of doing a surtax on, on millionaires, um, uh, you know, people making you know, incomes over a million dollars that they would get like an additional income sur- surtax on that. And then that money would go to, according to the fair share um, ballot question supporters, it would go to transportation and education. For this particular survey, we just said, well, let's let's say we would use that for regional rail. And the number we got was a little bit lower than we've seen in the past for fair share when it's framed more broadly. And I think that that use, that usage has something to do a little bit with the lower number. Similarly, you know, we saw about two thirds of people were willing to use some of the money from the transportation and climate initiative. This is this idea that Massachusetts and the other states in the Northeast are going to come together and basically do some sort of cap and invest program for um, emissions from the transportation sector. So fuel uh, coming into the region would be charged a fee that there would be some sort of permits or allowances that the the fuel distributors would have to buy. And then um, uh, the proceeds from those allowances as collected and distributed to the states would be used for various cleaner or better transportation projects. Um, uh, Two thirds of people uh, in the survey said that they would support um, using some of those funds for that program. And when we have polled TCI as a standalone thing in past polls, we found about the same number of people support Massachusetts doing that program, like actually creating the program, right? So in that case, the number uh, of people who support the existence of the program is pretty similar to the number of people who would support using it for regional rail um, or for rail improvements, if you will. Um, and for there was a lot of support, it seemed like, for using regional yeah. ballots, um, regional ballot initiative type funding, um, which, I mean, I don't know if that's an indirect support for using the regional ballots uh, themselves, but it seems to me that it it might be able to support the idea that, you know, people may not be interested sometimes in some statewide funding other than the ones you discussed, yeah. but they are interested in, in local funding that they get to, to vote on and that's see correct. the results Yeah, of. that's correct. So, I mean, we've done a fair amount on regional ballots over the years. Um, just, just the idea of giving this authority to the cities and towns, because they currently do not have this, right? They're not allowed to, to put a ballot question on their own local or regionally a collection of cities and towns are not allowed to put a question on the ballot to say, let's raise some local tax, whether it be a sales tax or what have you. And then we're going to use that money to do some sort of transportation improvement. So the legislature would have to pass a law in order to make that happen. Um, and we've found pretty strong support, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, kind of in the seventies, uh, you know, sixties, seventies percent range for actually extending that authority. In this question, we asked it a little bit differently. We said, let's assume that, that, uh, that, that, that cities and towns get that power. Would you support a ballot question in your region in order to, um, you know, affect some of these rail improvements that we're talking about? And what we found was about, I think it was about 52%. So it was a majority, but a small majority, you know, close to half uh, said that they would in fact vote for that ballot question. Now, a lot of the devil, of course, is in the details on these ballot questions. It's what tax are you going to raise? What's it going to specifically go for? What cities Mm -hmm. or towns are in the mix here? Um, You know, how's the money going to be allocated and managed? And is it going to sunset at some point? What happens if the project is late or something like that? So there's all kinds of things that, that can, that can kind of, you know, 
screw with that. And I wouldn't say that that number necessarily indicates that any one individual ballot question would succeed, but it does suggest that there is sort of an openness to this idea that that there could be a local or regional component of the funding for some of these things that people say that they want to do. Yeah, I mean, I think I look at this and I think it's a it's this is consistent with any behavioral study that you would read about where people want everything and then they want someone else to pay for that, right? And so even when it comes to regional ballots, there's some element that, yeah, I'm, I'm for that because someone in the other town will end up paying for yeah. that, right? And, I mean, it's totally inconsistent, by the way, for 68% of the people to be against raising the gas tax and 67% of the same people being for TCI, right? I mean, it makes me wonder whether they understand what TCI is uh, because that's just not consistent. So you, you have to, for me at least, you take this poll or any poll when it comes to funding with the understanding that people understand certain things and don't understand other things as well as they might. And there's a, there's, there's a limit to what you can glean f from this. Uh, but you accept that because uh, uh, ultimately what the poll is telling you is that they do want change. They do want significant transformational change in, about how their access, the transportation access uh, is provided. Um, then the hard work is persuading them that, in fact, that's not free and you have to figure out a way, uh, if they truly want it in the numbers that this suggests, um, you have to figure out appropriate, fair, transparent ways to pay for it. I guess another way of thinking about, about that is gas tax is something that, that folks have, in, in recent memory, voted down. Mm -hmm. And so even if they understand the, the analogy or the, the similarity between the way the two gas tax versus TCI, cap and invest, um, you know, carbon taxing will, will affect them, they may be thinking... Well, I already spoke on this, and it was a pretty resounding, you know, voice of myself and my my fellow uh, voters. And so, let's not bring it up again. So, I, I often wonder mm -hmm. if if it's really more of I, I already talked about. You know, I already voted on that. I don't want to change my mind on it. Um, uh, you know, Rich, is there? I guess what I'm trying to get at is we have what seems to be a pretty clear roadmap to um, state leaders and electeds who want to figure out how to pay for transportation in these funding questions. Uh, except for the fact that we also know it, there seems to be general, pretty general consensus statewide that we need to raise the gas tax, and there seems mm -hmm. to be an appetite to raise it, even though they know that people don't really like that. <laughs> do you do you see any anything emerging in the polling that that shows that people might be resigned to the gas tax going up? I mean, it's interesting to me that uh, commuter rail fares have gone up, you know, like three hundred percent compared to gas tax increases over the same period. And they're polling at about the same place as far as appetite for increases or in being interested in the increases. So it, it's just I don't really know how that how that shakes out or if that's just something that continues to be stubborn when it comes to polling uh, yeah, questions. Yeah. So uh, again, I would say that the, the number for gas tax in this poll is pretty low. Um, but again, I think some of that has to do with the specific usage that we were talking about. You know, we're we're asking people in this survey, are you do you want do you drivers basically? Because remember, most of the people taking this this survey are are, are pre pre predominantly drivers. We're basically saying, you know, are you willing to have your gas tax go up in order to do a rail improvement? 
And I can understand how that's a bit of a tough sell. I did go back to some of our prior polling to see where the gas tax has been relative to this number. And it's a little bit higher. And by that, I mean like 10 points higher. So we're talking like instead of being in the mid 20s to being in the mid 30s, maybe breaking 40% in some polls, depending on the timing and the circumstance. So and, and that's when you ask about gas tax relative to paying for that's, road and bridge uh, improvements. Relative to, say, the entire transportation system, right? Roads, bridges, and public transportation mm-hmm. might have been the way that we asked it. Um, so a broader set of transportation uses, um, but still lockboxed or dedicated to transportation, right? Um, so it's certainly not a popular idea. I would not say that this particular number in this poll this, this particular number in this poll is probably the lowest that I've seen it. And I think that it has to do with the context in which it was asked. But you are right that mm-hmm. the ideas that seem to be um, perhaps being discussed in the legislature for, for doing something on this are, um, are perhaps not the most popular ideas out of the set of things that we've looked at. We have, we've been polling on some form of tra- transportation revenue concepts, you know, going back to the 2013 legislation. That's when uh, that's when we first started doing polling about transportation for the Bar Foundation, mm-hmm. and um, we've pretty consistently found that, uh, as you said, Jim, people support doing things, but they don't want to necessarily pay for it themselves. Or perhaps the other way to say is they would rather have a solution where they don't have to pay. So again, this idea that people who right. are, you know, millionaires could pay a little bit more, or that corporations who want to build, you know, real estate develops near developments near this new regional rail, they should, they should pitch in for some of that, which is another thing that we tested in this poll and that did pretty well. Um, but that they don't necessarily want to do well, it themselves. I, so the question really is, I mean, I think it depends on, are you going to be directed by the polls or are you going to be guided by the polls? If you're a, if you're a political leader Correct. and, and, and what this poll would tell you is that if you're a, a political leader who really believes that the gas tax for policy reasons is the, is the right way to go. You know, that it sends a signal to people about driving less. If we make gas more expensive, maybe people will change their mode or something like that. Or I have other things in the state budget that I need to, to fund and transportation can pay for itself. So we need to, to do this in transportation. You just need to know going in that you need to make that argument. You know, you need to sell this to people. It's not going to just be an easy thing. It's not going to be something that people are going to roll over and say, yeah, I completely agree with that. There's going to need to have to be a conversation about it. And and it's going to take, I think, a little bit of um, a little bit of spine, a little bit of leadership. But I think anytime you're getting into a conversation about raising people's taxes of any kind, that's that's part of part of that conversation. So I would take these poll findings and the right. other poll findings that we've done on on revenues over the years as just a just a sort of a, a warning, if you will, to people who want to go this route to say that, you know, it, it it's it's perhaps not the path of least resistance. And you're going to have to think a little bit about how you how you make that case. to people. Yeah. And as a way to try to wrap the, the, the segment up, um, you know, there's no surprise to anybody that people don't want to pay f- for stuff. Right. That people are tax averse. I mean, I I'm determined not to become a millionaire because I don't want to be subject to the millionaire's tax. So I, I get that. That's human nature. But the, the real news for me, I think, coming out of the poll is how people have strongly supported in overwhelming numbers the uh, approach 
that we call regional rail, which is a real, is, it's not just a vision. It's a new way of thinking about a service delivery model and a business plan for connecting the cities and towns of the Commonwealth. And so if there's, for me, if there's any news flash coming out of the poll, it's not telling us what we've already known for decades, which is it's always hard to ask people to pay for anything. That's human nature. Um, but now we know for sure that people understand and overwhelmingly support the basic concepts behind regional rail. That's important because that will, of necessity, be part of a conversation that's happening in real time uh, with the Fiscal Management and Control Board, with the Regional Rail Advisory Committee, uh, with cities and towns all, all across the MBTA service area and beyond. And so it's timely that this information be uh, acknowledged and understood, and I think will help inform the debate because now political leaders, decision makers know for sure that the people support this, and presumably the people will have their back when it comes to making the decisions that are required to actually turn the vision into something that's actionable. So I'm glad that you did it, and I think um, I think we should sort of end on a, on a positive note, which is the, 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 the real takeaway here is to tell us something that we didn't know before, and that is that people across the state see regional rail as a part of their mobility future, and that's a good thing to know. Well, Jim, I've been flailing my arms over here. I'm not, I'm not ready to go yet. All right. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to ask about the flip side um, of the revenue question, which was there was pretty pretty strong... Um, opinion in the poll that commuter rail fares are too high and yeah. and that they should go down. Is that something you've tracked over time? Um, not for commuter rail specifically. I think around the time of one of the fare hikes for the T, we were asking questions about where whether T fares were too high or not. And I don't have that off the top of my head for what that number was. That would probably also not be a statewide number. Um, we've done a bunch of polling for WBUR about uh, in the Boston region and like kind of within Route 128 about the T and T fares and things like that. And so that so I probably have a number on that in that context. But you're right. About half of people in this survey said that they thought that commuter rail fares were too high. Um, Again, a lot of this is, is people who are kind of, you know, not active users of the system. The number is higher among people who who actually do ride the commuter rail in the survey, I will say. Um, and they also support um, lowering commuter rail fares. And, and the reason that we asked about some of this stuff in this survey was because of some of the research that Mass Inc. has been doing into sort of the elasticity of, of fares. And there's there's been a concept, I think, in there's been an idea, I think, in transportation planning that you you're not going to really entice people to, to ride these things if you just make the fare lower. But there's some evidence from the $10 weekend fare that the commuter rail started using or piloted that it actually did improve ridership, particularly in the farthest flung parts of the system. You know, if you're in Haverhill or Lawrence or Lowell or one of these other gateway cities, that's quite far out on the commuter rail system because of the zone-based structure of the fares, you're paying the most probably to, uh, to ride. And if you're kind of an infrequent rider and you don't have a pass, you're paying even more because you're paying retail as opposed to wholesale, if you will. Um, so there's some evidence that, uh, that, that there's a bit of an equity um, 
an income inequity in terms of the way that we're, we're, we're doing fares right now. So we tested several concepts in this poll about, first off, you know, just cutting fares overall. People liked that idea. Uh, but they also liked the idea of um, maybe doing sort of a lower income or lower middle income discount on fares, a discount for people who are riding off peak. Uh, and, then a, and then a concept of um, maybe we should be adjusting the fares closer into Boston at stations that are sort of in the same proximity as a, as a, a T station, you know, maybe those should be kind of equitably priced so that um, instead of crowding the subway system, people might think about getting on a commuter rail train instead, kind of, kind of use that as a way to kind of distribute the load of the transit system um, as a whole. And all of those, all of those ideas uh, did quite well in this survey. Um, people, people like that. So there's, it's not just that they don't want to pay for it. They actually think that the current, current service that they're getting right now is is overpriced um, and they would actually support some changes to that and there is perhaps some evidence that if you were to lower the fares maybe you could make some of that up on ridership um, that maybe you would get some people to come onto the system who aren't currently using it now and we'll see more of that as, as the T has begun or the Keolis has begun to offer some reverse fare um, discounts um, specifically on the on the Fairmount line or at, going all the yeah. way out to uh, Foxborough on that pilot, so we'll be able to get, see this link, which is, these are important things um, to pay attention to because there's there's maybe growing consensus that we're not just looking at changing the way the commuter rail system operates or the vehicles, you know, that operate on the rails, but the whole model of also including how we pay for it and, and charge yeah. for it. So the, the last thing I want to ask you, Rich, and maybe you won't have any insight on this depending on the polling you've done in the past, I found it interesting about the support for for transit-oriented development, that is uh, development, housing, things like that, near stations. So the idea is that if we have um, more of a regional rail-type model with with more service, um, that's more useful. Then that then people say, oh well, if that's the case, then there's a lot more support for building more housing and other development around those those stations, which a lot of people would say that's sort of a, a requirement that you would need to do that to justify um, and to and to pay off, you know, to, to have the increased ridership you need to see. Um, I wonder uh, if you have, have asked questions about that in the past. And then the second part would be if you have asked questions about um, support for development generally. We know it's a very hot topic with the governor continuing to try to push um, the efforts to make it easier um, to um, change zoning or get around zoning to increase the density um, and and numbers of housing that's being developed. So are, are you able to talk about how that TOD, transit-oriented development support, compares to housing development support or zoning reform support? So we haven't specifically asked about zoning reform in an, another context. Um, I will say that it kind of falls into the category of like, I, uh, let, me, let me back up. We, we recently did some climate change focus groups, which have yet to be published, but I'll give you a little preview. Um, and, and we're going to do a survey with them as well. So I don't have the survey results yet, but I can say from the focus groups that I that I um, moderated or attended that um, of the various policies that we were looking at in terms of um, mitigating climate change, we did one about kind of zoning or denser development or kind of transit oriented development, and it was it didn't do as well as some of the others. And I think part of that is that it's a bit of a second order thing for people. Uh, to, to, to get that there's this relationship between land use and climate. They are, a lot of people talk about um, 
I understand about the plastic straws. I understand about recycling. I understand about turning my lights off, conserving energy, driving less, driving, you know, a more fuel efficient car. When you get to something, uh, an idea like that, I think it's a little bit harder for people to wrap their heads around how that relates to the problem. Um, as it relates to this particular poll about rail, um, we wanted to get into TOD and specifically TOD in the, in the gateway cities again, because it ties into something that Mass Inc., our parent think tank, has been researching, which is this idea of really using, um, you know, re, you know, really, really doing something big on rail service and then using that as a catalyst to revitalize some of these gateway cities. There's a lot of, you know, good urban bones around rail stations in some of these cities that could be revitalized and you can put in a, quite a bit of housing, quite a bit of commercial or, or retail and, and really create sort of a zone around these, around these places. What we found was that when we explained that concept to people, and again, this is a good example of, of in an online survey, you can really sort of take the time to, to, to talk through something and really kind of give people the concept that three quarters of people thought that that would be a good idea. You know, if we did these, these regional rail, this regional rail concept, citing some TOD in these gateway cities would be a good idea. And then perhaps more importantly, you know, there was also support, I think two thirds of, of voters supported, not, not voters, residents, excuse me, two thirds of residents supported some level of state support or incentive um, in order to make these things happen. That's important because in Massing's research, they've found that in some of these real estate markets, there may be the need for some sort of level of tax break or incentive or subsidy in order to kind of get some of these projects off the right, off the ground. And then finally, in this in this survey, what we found because we wanted to sort of you know think of it a little bit as a marketing survey, we wanted to ask people whether they would actually use these things. So if you built a TOD in a gateway city near you, would you go to it? Would you live? Would you consider living in it or working in it? Would you consider going out to eat there or shopping or going to a movie at one of these places? And what we found was actually pretty good numbers. Um, not a majority in all cases, and that not surprisingly, um, the numbers for living and working were lower than the sort of um, lower pressure, you know, uses of like I'm going to go out and have a meal there. Or I'm going to. Uh, go shopping there or might go to a movie or something like that. Um, but it suggests that there would potentially be a market here um, for uh, for TOD around these rail stations. And that kind of, it feeds into itself in a way, because not only are you then kind of demonstrating support or demand, if you will, for the TOD, but if people are starting to live in, use, and use and work in these places, that could also kind of engender more ridership on the on the rail line itself, and that could create sort of a virtual virtuous cycle, if you will, of, of of changing the transportation pattern and then changing the land use pattern at the same time. Well, Rich, you handled that deftly, as you have with uh, with all questions we we asked you, and I just want to thank you for making the time to to speak with us today about the poll and more broadly. Uh, I I have over time really appreciated the work. Um, that MassInc does, um, that the polling group does, and I think it's a very valuable service to uh, policymakers uh, and residents and, and electeds as they uh, try to navigate um, what comes next for the Commonwealth in uh, amongst an, an, a wide array of policies, but especially transportation. Well, thank you, and you're welcome, and, and thank you to you guys too, because you know some of the ideas that we did test in this survey, you know, we were really casting a wide net trying to see what people were talking about on rail and. And Transit Matters is kind of one of the people who's talking about this regional rail idea, the electrification idea. I mean, those are 
those are things that we wouldn't have tested if they hadn't been sort of out there in the ecosystem, if, if you will. And that's that's something that you guys are doing. So, And thank you to the listener for joining us for another podcast uh, episode in partnership with Transit Matters. Um, we will uh, be in your earbuds uh, next time, hopefully soon. See you soon.